<laughs> there you are, waving the hands. Hey, we're going to be in the Psalms today, this morning, so go ahead and you can turn your Bible to Psalm 120, as we'll be starting there this morning in the Scriptures. As you turn there, it's amazing what you get excited about in these days. I got excited this morning when I saw our brand new hand sanitizer stations on their own self-sustaining poles right out there. Like we got two of them and they, you just put your hand in and lo and behold, the hand sanitizer comes down automatically, no touch. So there's lots of things to praise the Lord about. That's my kickoff this morning. <laughs> Can you guys relate? I'm like, why am I so excited about something like this? And it's like, oh yeah, it's <laughs> kind of the day and age where we're living. But hey, that's good though, because you give everything to God in praise, <laughs> even the little things like some no-touch hand sanitizer stations. So on that note, we can open the scriptures and be really excited about what God's going to share with us today. I'm trusting that he'll do a great work uh, for those of us here and also those of us watching from home. I'm excited to go through these Psalms, uh, especially excited. My mom's here this morning. I'm very thankful for that. She's had some some challenges lately and we're just thankful to have her with us so it's just a blessing to be with you and i don't care if it's raining cats and dogs i'm stoked to be here you guys it's awesome and now we're gonna have a little bible study if that's okay with you we have a little bible study in the psalms and these psalms just as if you if you're new if you're joining us uh you know for the first time this summer we've been going through the psalms and the psalms have provided us a look into basically life with god and the authors there are various authors um, they have written these songs. They're psalms that we call them, but they're songs. They're songs, they're compiled uh, for, for us in our Bibles. There's 150 of them. And they deal with a few different things. And we've actually titled our series, Psalms, Lament, Protest, and Praise. And because that's what they contain. Times of the psalmist just being lamenting what's going on around him. You know, what, what's happening around him that he's grieved by and troubled by and kind of trying to figure out and process with the Lord. And I, I know we can all relate to that. There's also parts of these Psalms, 150 of them, that talk about protest. Protest in, in the way of God. There's this reality in my midst, but I'm not particularly fond of those, those circumstances. I want you to move. Um, I want you to be God on my behalf, and I, and I really don't like these circumstances or even these conditions or people that I'm having to deal with. There's that, that in the Psalms. And there's also, of course, we all know praise. Praising God, realizing that there's an underlying truth to all the things that we're protesting or lamenting over. And we're able to, to bring our requests to God and actually get his peace from God that he freely gives to his people. So all of that is represented in these Psalms which are actually songs. So, you know, they were teaching us a new song this morning. Some of us knew it, some of us didn't. But it's amazing. I started getting that. Uh, I, I downloaded a new album from uh, Need to Breathe uh, two nights ago, and I listened to it twice in the middle of the night just because I was like, ah, oh, new music. And it's amazing how the melody goes into my heart, and I'm able to kind of take the words and actually memorize them pretty quick. But if they were just written down on a page, it'd be a lot tougher. And I'm sure you guys can relate to that. You hear a song you haven't heard in like 25 years, and you just start singing it. And you're like, I can't even remember my own kids' names at times. 
or even where I, I'm supposed to be. I go into the garage and I don't, I've totally forgotten why I'm supposed to be in there and what I'm trying to do. And yet I can hear a song that I haven't heard since I was in junior high and all of a sudden I'm start singing with it. And I think God has that purposefully ingrained in us, even through the Psalms. So don't just read it as poetry, even though it is. Realize that these people, especially in the Psalms we're looking at right now from 120 to 134, these were committed to memory and they were sung as songs so they could own it in their heart. Guys, you know, there's a huge difference between intellectual pursuit of the scripture and what it says and actually having your heart moved to worship. Moved, I would say, worship and praise, but also worshiping, lamenting, worshiping in your protesting. Giving your, your cares to the Lord, but actually having that part in your heart just left open for him to move and left open for him to work and to bring truth that we desperately need in times when we're protesting and lamenting. And we're drawn back to that place of, man, Lord, you're worthy of all praise, even in the toughest of days. So these, these songs, they represent the journey and responses to life in its various seasons of blessing and trial and everything in between. So we could all find ourselves somewhere in there, right? Times of rich blessing where you're just in awe of God's, um, you know, omniscience, but also just his blessings that he desires to pour out us unworthy beings. And then also all the way over to, man, I'm in the worst of trials and I don't know which way is up. And I know for a lot of us home here in our communities, this, these are tough times. You know, we talk about it. Uh, the reason why we even started in the Psalms, we thought, Man, if there's ever a perfect time to study songs that are poetic and have something to say about lament, protest, and praise, this is the time. This is the time. So that's why I'm so excited this morning in part to go over these songs of ascent because that's where we're at. So Psalm 120 through 134, that's 15 of them. They're, they're called songs of ascent. So everybody say that to yourself, songs of ascent. Songs of ascent. So what does that mean? Well, the title in Hebrew for these psalms, and they each have these songs titles next to them. That's how we know we're part of this grouping. The title in Hebrew includes the word for stairs, like just stairs going up. Um, they're, they're ascending. You're going up somewhere. And these songs, unlike the chapter last week that was taught by Pastor Gunther of 176 verses in Psalm 119, we, we come to Psalm 20 and one through 134, and they're very punctuated. They're very brief. They're kind of just like the opposite of 119, you know, where, where there's just, you're, you're going through a long stretch of scripture and you have to be, you know, you have to use an endurance, um, part of your soul as you go through them, that one Psalm. But here it's more of like a, man, we're talking songs, but we're talking songs that are memorized and short and very punctuated and very clear what the message is. So that's the difference between these songs that they song. Now, now get this, you guys. We're talking about uh, lyrics to songs that people have been singing for 3,000 plus years. You know, not, not this year's top 40. We're talking 3,000 plus years. So these are well-known. Jews today would sing them every year. I'll talk, talk about why that is in a sec. But there's repetition involved and these songs are being committed to memory by the people. Because why? Because every year God instituted in Deuteronomy 16, 16, that every year all men would go up to Jerusalem or actually go up to the presence of God, wherever God was to meet them. But ultimately we know that God set up meeting with the people in Jerusalem on Mount Moriah, 
now known as the Temple Mount, even to this day, pilgrims go up every year for three in particular feasts. Those feasts are the Feast of Unleavened Bread, the Feast of Harvest, or Pentecost in the New Testament. That's where the new church started, Acts 2. And also the Feast of Tabernacles, or Booths. So even today, if you're in the, in, the, in the nation, in the country of Israel, around Jerusalem, every year at these feasts, you'll have the celebrations going on and people ascending, going into Jerusalem to celebrate God's faithfulness and his works in the past and celebrating their hope for the future. And it's, it's a wonderful thing because when they would go up to Jerusalem, now we think of, we're here right by sea level, obviously, so we don't have a lot of going up, but let's just say you're going up to bishops. You wouldn't say, I'm just going to go to Bishop's Peak and stay flat. You're going to go up to Bishop's Peak or Cuesta Grade for you guys that are local. You know what I'm talking about. We're going to go up to Jerusalem. Why? Because it's higher in elevation. You can't just casually walk to Jerusalem. You got to go in, you know, it's a, it's a journey. You prepare for it. And no matter where you're coming from, you know, you're going to go up because you got to go up all sides to Jerusalem. In particular, the Temple Mount, which was one of the high points there, not the highest, but one of them. And it goes all the way back to where Abraham offered Isaac in the, in the book of Genesis. Mount Moriah is actually the very spot where the Temple Mount is today. So when you see pictures of the Dome of the Rock in, in the city of Jerusalem, uh, you see the Temple Mount. It's it, Herod, when he was um, increasing the size of that Temple Mount, it's still the same today. I mean, it, it's, it's this pristine, preserved space where God was going to meet with his people and it's pretty cool because they would sing these songs as they were ascending up to Jerusalem and ultimately going up to the Temple Mount itself. I'll, I'll, I'll make a couple more points about that in a sec. It's really, really fascinating stuff. Really, really cool. And you do see God's hand of wisdom in all of it. So let's start with Psalm 120. I'm going to give you the type in each psalm. I'm actually going to go through all seven psalms. So I, I'm not going to spend a lot of time in the details, but I, I want to highlight some things in each one of them. But I think we can do it. But I want to give you the type of psalm. There's psalms of, remember, there's psalms of, of praise, lament, and protest, right? So this Psalm 120, let's start there. It's a type of lament, and there's some protest in here too. And the main topic, and th- these are on the slides for you at home to read, but um, the main topic of 120 is just in summary, trusting God while being in a foreign land with others who lie, who are violent, and who are unjust, it's trusting God while being in a foreign land with others who lie violent and who are liars and violent and unjust as described by the psalmist. So let's read it real quick. There's only a few verses. It says, and I'm reading from the, the ESV. It says, a song for pilgrims ascending to Jerusalem, going up to Jerusalem. So every year, three times a year, they're singing this song in particular. I took my troubles to the Lord. I cried out to him and he answered my prayer. And here's his prayer. Rescue me, O Lord, from liars and from all deceitful people. Now he's going to go into some self-examination and look inward. And he says, O deceptive tongue, what will God do to you? How will he increase your punishment? You will be pierced with sharp arrows and burned with glowing coals. So he's kind of taking this kind of, wow, I got all these troubles. And then right away in three and four, he's looking into the simple thing of the tongue and the power therein. And we have a lot of scriptures about how the power of the tongue can either destroy or uh, bring life. What we say comes from a heart and that can bring life or it can bring true injury. We all know what that feels like. 
And then he goes into how am I going to, or how I suffer in far off Meshech. And it pains me to live in distant Kedar. I'm tired of living among people who hate peace. I search for peace. When I speak of peace, they want war. That, those two groups of people, the, he's, the psalmist is saying, I'm suffering because I'm with these people. Meshech was actually known for its slave trade. And that was north of Canaan. So north of Israel and the people. He, they were just known for their slave trade, abuse, harsh, very harsh. Kadar were renowned warriors. So he's looking around the people that he's with in these different places. And he's, he's kind of examining the, the, the landscape, if you will. And he's being very much frustrated by what he sees around him. You guys, there's only one solution I know of when you get frustrated with people and what you're supposed to do. And it actually has two parts. One is self, hey, self-deception or self, uh, the deceptive nature of the tongue and the power therein is you got to quell it. You got to bring it under control in the Lord's power. You got to do something with the tongue because that's what ultimately leads to full out war. Okay, it starts internal. It starts small. It starts very particular. And what do I say and how do I say it to people? That's very important to the psalmist and ultimately to God. And then also when it expands out, that heart, if it's, if it's deceitful, if it's wicked, it, it falls into the greater expanse of even full-blown just war and slavery and all that kind of gross stuff that we know can be heinous even in our day and age. So the psalmist is all over in, in 120, but I think ultimately he's trying to trust God even in the midst of all the stuff going on around him. All in the midst of tongue injury and full-on societal woes, okay? So for us, we can take note that the Lord becomes his focus out of necessity. The Lord becomes his focus out of necessity. If you're hurt by someone else because of their tongue, you got to go to the Lord, if you're hurt or frustrated with those around you, you got to go to the Lord. How do you go to the Lord? You sing songs of praise, lament, and protest. <laughs> right? You, you, you mimic the psalmist. Let's go on to Psalm 121. A song for pilgrims ascending to Jerusalem. I look up to the mountains and does my help come from there? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. He will not let you stumble. The one who watches over you will not slumber. Indeed, he watches. He who watches over Israel never slumbers or sleeps. Guys, huge blessed news. The God of Israel, the one who watches over Israel, never slumbers or sleeps. Ever. Just hold that thought. The Lord himself, verse 5, watches over you. The Lord stands beside you as your protective shade. Think of the desert. And just longing for shade and trees and respite. He's like, that's what God is to those who he loves. The sun will not harm you by day nor the moon at night. The Lord keeps you from all harm and watches over your life. The Lord keeps watch over you as you come and go, both now and forever. Now remember, if you're singing this as a, as a, as a Jewish per person and you're going up to Jerusalem, the very center of the whole nation, of your faith, of your relationship with God... You're being reminded by the psalm as you sing it, as you ascend to Jerusalem, the Lord's not going to ever slumber. 
Now these mountains, when he says, you guys are familiar with the scripture, I'm sure. I look up to the mountains, where's my help come from? You guys, this isn't just a phrase that the psalmist is trying to get you to look at some mountains that are higher up in the in elevation. The mountains, where what were they known for? What were the high places known for among the nations? Idolatry. Idol worship. You'd go to a high place and set up your shrine or your altar. And 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 the peoples among the people of Israel would go up in large part to, to sacrifice to their deities. All of which had no uh, comparison, obviously, to Jehovah God. And some of them were identified, at least in the, in the um, ancient Near East, for example, the sun and the moon, which you notice in verse 6, he says, the sun will not harm you by day, nor the moon at night. Now, I can understand the sun, because it's hot. But how does the moon uh, threaten you? Well, it's easy when you realize in the, in the ancient Near East, both considered the sun and the moon deities. Okay? You get where the psalmist is going? I'm looking at the mountains. There's a whole lot of choices of where help can come from. There's a whole lot of opinions out there. But ultimately, I know God created the heavens and the earth. And he is the one who reigns. And there are no other gods compared to him. He is the one who rules. And that's where my help comes from because idols in the end cannot deliver that kind of hope or deliverance. And guys, it's not just like setting up this little carved thing and worshiping and bow down, bow, bowing down to it. In our day and age, we have just as many, if not more, idols. And guess what? It's our own reputation. It's our, uh, it's our, uh, you know, success model. It's trying to ascribe to a certain opinion in other people's eyes. It could be self-esteem is my idol. It could be just I'm just bowing down to my own desires in life and saying, hey, I'm in control of everything. Yourself, you're you're the idol. And if you were to go to a high place, you'd see a big old poster of your face. <laughs> but, that, but God comes in and he says, you know what? That's going to fail you. At some point or another, you are going to fail yourself. Something else that you're putting your hope in is going to fail you. Where does your help come from, soul? It comes from the Lord. Exactly. Creator of heaven and earth. Let it sink in a little bit, guys. This is relevant. 3,000-year-old lyrics. And we're still going, man, that hits me right here. Because I do, if I'm honest with myself, put a lot of trust in things besides God. Do you? Do you at home? Does that come up for you? Do you struggle over those things? But when the psalmist is saying, hey, let's, let's really mark down this. Guess who never sleeps nor slumbers? God does. Never, never has to sleep. You guys, a year ago, I was at my wit's end in terms of just like, God, what do you want for me? Do you want to continue? Uh, do you want me to continue in ministry? I was, I was at my wit's end. I was like asking these questions of maybe I'm done with ministry. Uh, I, I just, I, I got to that place and, and I was listening to a book and the, and the gentleman, the author said he was identifying this scripture that the Lord never sleeps or slumbers. And he, and he said words that changed my life in this way. He said, simply, simply put, the Lord never sleeps so that you can. Now, that's some simple truth that kind of makes sense. It's like, wow, what's big about that? But in the moment of despair, that's glorious news. And I hope it's glorious news for you. You can go to sleep at night knowing that someone who reigns over heaven and earth has whatever you're stressing about in his hands, no matter how big or how small, no matter how widespread among the people or even down to words that were spoken to you. The Lord doesn't sleep so that we, his people, can and rest well indeed. Amen?
Amen. We don't have to freak out. We don't have to like spend countless hours. If you're like me, I just think and 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 I get tired and I'm staying awake because I'm thinking and thinking and thinking and nothing's happening until I'm reminded my help comes from him. Let's move on to 122. This type is praise. Love this psalm. Main topic, acknowledging God's city of Jerusalem. Now imagine you're, you're sojourning days, maybe weeks to get to the city where God meets with his people and you finally get there. And this is a psalmist describing that experience. I was glad when they said to me, let's go to the house of the Lord. Now here we are. Man, he's arrived. Man, think about that. I, I just put a big Yahoo in my Bible note. Like, man, when you, when you get somewhere that you've been longing to go to and you get there, it's like, man, thank you, Lord. Now we're here, standing inside your gates, oh, Jerusalem. Jerusalem, now he's starting to think about the city of God, is a well-built city. Its seamless walls cannot be breached. All the tribes of Israel, the Lord's people, make their pilgrims pilgrimage here. They come to give thanks to the name of the Lord as the law requires of Israel. Again, Deuteronomy 16, 16 is that reference. Here stand the thrones where judgment is given, the thrones of the dynasty of David. Pray. Here's his charge. Pray for the peace in Jerusalem. Can you imagine singing this song with all these other sojourners, community members, and we're all reminding ourselves we need to be praying for this place that God has chosen to put his presence, to meet with his people. And he's saying, pray for the peace of Jerusalem. May all who love this city prosper. Oh, Jerusalem, there, may there be peace within your walls and prosperity in your palaces. For the sake of my family and friends, I will say, may you have peace. For the sake of the Lord, or for the sake of the house of the Lord our God, I will seek what is best for you, O Jerusalem. Man, here we are in the gates. We made it. And we're here to worship God. And he's going to meet with us again this year, this festival, whatever. And he says in verse 6 through 8, pray for the peace of the shalom in Jerusalem. Shalom is a word that, that has a connotation of wholeness. It's like, I just want, I just want this city of God to prosper and to be whole and to be at peace. And we're still praying that prayer, yeah? Now, for those of you at home, you'll get a couple pictures uh, in February, which seems like, by the way, I was talking to my wife, we went to Israel in February, and it, it feels like 15 years ago, right? Like, I'm like, that is so long ago, like, I can't even believe it. And I talked to the other uh, folks that went with us on that trip and they were saying the same thing it seems like years ago but just in february we were on these steps on the southern side of the temple mount and i had the privilege of teaching there on those steps and it's one of those places that we know definitively absolutely positively that our savior jesus walked and taught and entered the temple ramps up to the temple mount after washing in the ritual baths having a sacrifice like everybody would do and going up these steps, and there's, there's these huge steps, and they're going up. And I want to tell you, when it talks about being in Jerusalem, and wow, this city's you know, secure, and God's protecting it, and, and, and inside you'll see these steps. And, and what you would do is you would not only send into uh, Jerusalem as a city, but once you got there, okay, once you got there. Remember when Jesus did the, the miracle at the Pool of Siloam with a guy who was born blind? He said, go, go wash. He goes, and he's healed, right? He sees. Well, that was the starting place as they would go up to the temple. Not that far, but far enough where you had to do a journey, a walk. And they're excavating it even right now, this whole walkway, all the way up to the temple, which was higher up. It was one of the high places, right? So you're going to go up. Well, check this out. On the southern direction, 
the Jews would enter on the southern side of the temple. They had certain places where they would go in to go up once you got to the, the, the temple wall. But there's all these steps. And what would happen is that when you were, when you were going to go up to the temple to meet with God, it wasn't this something that you just rushed in and did haphazardly. Oh no, just the opposite. The Levite priest would take the people three steps at a time and they would stop. And guess what they did every three steps? They sung one of the songs of ascent. They would sing it and then the Levitical priest would lead them three more steps. I mean, there's a lot of steps there. So I, I know it took a long time. But they were reminded of all these things. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. God never sleeps nor slumbers. You know, all these things that we'll read in just a second. But imagine, three steps at a time. And that was only after they cleansed themselves in the mikvahs that they just uncovered uh, about 30 years ago, I believe. Two years ago, I was told that they were just uncovering these mikvah baths, okay, right in front of the steps. So you would cleanse be cleansed ceremonially, then you'd go up these steps, three at a time, led by the priest, ultimately up to the place of the temple mount, where you would offer a sacrifice to God, worship him there, and, and there was this ritual that kept happening, but you're singing these psalms all the time. But the whole point is this, you guys, you cannot just rush up to the presence of God. It's very important for me to remind my soul of this periodically, and it really drives the point home. When we kind of go into times of worship and meeting God, we're so used to it. It's kind of like when you pray before food, you're about to eat, and then it's like, okay, who's going to pray the quickest? Okay, Johnny will, so Johnny's going to pray for dinner because we want to get into the eating, right? Well, when you go to the presence of God, it's such a great reminder to take three steps and sing something about him because we slow it down. You know, we're so rushed, right? Just to remember who we're going to meet with. It's not slowing down for the sake of slowing down. It's slowing down so that we can be reverent and acknowledge we are unworthy people to come and ascend the hill of the Lord. Who shall ascend the hill of the Lord? Who shall come into his presence? Only those who have been cleansed by the blood of the lamb. Only those who have come through Jesus Christ can go and meet with God. And we come reverently and we come soberly and we come with a, an intentionality that goes way beyond. So when you catch yourself going through motions, slow it down. Take three steps and stop and sing something about the truth of God in your soul. Slow it down so that you can be reverent and acknowledge who you're approaching. That's just a, a, a charge that I think of often when I think of rushing into worship or blessing. So the whole focus, the un, oh, by the way, those steps, they were purposefully made and designed to be uneven. So you couldn't like kind of think about something else. You had to concentrate on every step. As you ascend to the hill of the Lord to meet with God. It's a beautiful thing. Still with me? couple minutes. And we'll wrap this up. Psalm 123 has to do with lament and protest. And keeping our focus on him. I want to go 123. Actually a few of these psalms. They start out with these different themes. That are similar. Look at 123 for example. I lift my eyes to you O God enthroned in heaven. I lift my eyes to you. Okay, I'm going to be looking for God in his mercy. We keep looking for his mercy. Just as servants keep their eyes on their master. Have mercy on us, Lord. Verse 3. Have mercy, for we've had our fill of contempt. We've had more than our fill of the scoffing of the proud and the contempt of the arrogant. To me, the impression I'm left with is the psalmist is getting fed up. 
In other words, send mercy because I'm tired, I'm fatigued. I, I don't know how long I can take Facebook posts, God. So as a psalmist, I'm just going to just give it to you, my frustrations. But I'm lifting my eyes to you. 124, Psalm, in this case, praise Psalm. He's kept us safe and secure is the main gist. And it says, what? It asks a very, very good question for us to think about. What if the Lord had not been on our side? Let Israel repeat. What if the Lord had not been on our side? Guys, just think, just take a moment. Let that sink in in your heart and your life. Maybe you're new to God. Maybe you're new to Jesus and you haven't really thought about this much. But all of us, no matter if we've been walking with God for years or don't even have a relationship with God per se, we can all think about how God has spared us, yes? How God has been merciful to us. How God has blessed us when we didn't deserve it. You know, for me, I can look back in my early days. I, I, don't, I don't even know how I'm alive right now. In some cases, God just spared me. And I'm so humbled by that. And I'm just thinking, what if God hadn't been on my side or at my side? And, you know, it goes further in the New Testament. It says God's spirit is in us. What if God's spirit just abandoned you in your life? What would that be like? Sometimes we need to think about these things like what if? Because it helps us go back to what's true. What's true is he is at our side. What's true is he is making all things together, working together for good for those who called, who love God and who are called according to his purposes. So great question on the part of the psalmist. And I'm sure if you were singing this, you would think of these things and go, wow, what if? Would Jerusalem even be there? Would the temple even be there? Would hope even be there? Great questions. It says in verse 6, praise the Lord who didn't let their teeth tear us apart. We escaped like a bird from a hunter's trap. The trap's broken, we're free. Our help is from the Lord who made heaven and earth. Psalm 125, those who trust in the Lord, again, here's that theme, are secure as Mount Zion. What's Mount Zion? You have the city of Jerusalem, but you also have in particular the Temple Mount. They will not be defeated, but will endure forever. Just as the mountains surround Jerusalem, picture yourself just taking a 360 and seeing all the mountains around Jerusalem and thinking about for a second, God, that's just like you. It's just like you. You never move. You're always there. You're always surrounding me. So the, so the Lord surrounds his people both now and forever. Let that sink in. And then finally, verse or chapter 126 of the book of Psalms. Type is praise. And the main topic is the Lord sends his people away into trial like desert or captivity like Israel. But with a purpose following a blessing, joy and his work in our lives. This is, I love this psalm. This is a, where we get our theme verse for my wife and I and our lives together. It says, when the Lord brought back the ex- exiles to Jerusalem, some of your Bibles would say captives. It was like a dream. We were filled with laughter. We sang for joy. The, and the other nation said, what amazing things the Lord has done for them. Yes, the Lord has done amazing things for us. We are filled with joy. Or what joy? Guys, I just want to take a moment and say, what has God done for you? What has God done for you? How can you rejoice and have that become shouts of joy, like in verse 5? Just like getting streams in the desert, planting in tears, but having harvests of joy. It's because we realize all that God has done for us. And I just want to close with this. I want us to, to think about, in fact, why don't we just, if you're able to, why don't we stand together? As we have uh, Greg and Carrie back up, that'd be awesome too. 
I, I just want to just want to pray, but I also want to do this in a way that just brings glory and honor to Jesus who did everything for us. You know, they went up to the, the Temple Mount and they went up with a sacrifice. And and because they went up with a sacrifice, they were always reminded. We talked about this a couple months ago or a couple of weeks ago, rather. Uh, they were reminded that they didn't come out, come up to sacrifice without a lamb or an animal that would take their place that would in a sense, take the penalty of their sin and shame, the repercussions of their sin, and that animal would die as, a, as, as it was sacrificed in their place, in their stead. And they would lay their hand upon the animal before they offered it, as if to say, my sin is imparting to this who's going to be the sacrificial lamb, the sacrificial animal. And, and you guys, ultimately, Jesus, we know, is called the Lamb of God because he takes away the sin of the world. It's as if we come as people and lay our hands on his head, on his shoulder, imputing our sin, our shame, everything that we've done that we regret. And we lay it on him, and he willfully takes it upon himself. And then he lays his life down as a sacrifice to pay the penalty that we would have had to pay so that we who are unrighteous, could be made righteous. You guys, that's the gospel. If you've heard, hear the gospel, that's the good news is this, that there was not just someone, not just, not just somebody who was willing that knew you as like a friend or family member, but I'm saying this is God who created you, made, made a way for you to put your hand upon him willfully coming, even though you couldn't approach God, like running up the steps, Going straight to Jesus and running up to him and saying, here, take my sin. Uh-uh, doesn't happen that way. We're talking God incarnate in the flesh. Somebody who you went three steps at a time. And yet he's, he's there on the cross and his arms are, are, are spread out. And he's saying, if any would come, let him come to me. Let him drink or let him eat. Let him come to me and get freedom from his sin and shame. And I would say, as the Lord has done great things for us, you can always go back to the fact that God loves you as evidenced by the blood of Christ spilled on your behalf. And the beautiful thing is when Jesus went to the cross and ultimately died there for all of our sin, that way none of us can be proud, right? By the way, we're all humble. We're all on the same plane. There's no one greater than anyone else. We all deserve hell and damnation. But the glory of the Lord is that he was willing that no one would perish, but all would come to everlasting life and ultimately proved it by raising from the grave three days later, as he said he would. So that we can come to the sacrificial lamb, Jesus himself, and say, Jesus, take my sin. So why don't we pray? And I want to lead you into prayer. And maybe somewhere, even in this crowd or even at home, you have never personally come to a place where you've actually extended your hand and saying, yes, I want to be included. I want to be included in those who are forgiven freely by Jesus, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. So why don't we pray? And if you'd like to do that, I just want to lead you in a prayer right now. It's not a magic prayer. It's not anything. But if you mean it from your heart, this is where God comes in and starts changing things in your life to give you a joy and a comfort and a hope that goes beyond circumstance. So let's pray together. Father God, we thank you that you are here in our midst and that even today we don't have to travel across the globe to go to the Temple Mount to meet with you. But Lord, you've put your spirit in each of us and you're calling people that haven't yet come to a place of surrender with your Holy Spirit. You're calling them to repentance even right now that we would turn away from those things that, that have caused you pain, caused us 
destruction in our lives and our relationships. Lord, you desire for us to come put our hand upon you that you might take our sin upon yourself and pay that which was owed by us. And Father, I pray for those here and those listening online that you would cause all of us to put our hands forth even though we're unworthy, even though you are holy and without blemish, Lord, we want to put our hand upon you and ask for you to take our sin away so that we could say with the psalmist in an earlier psalm that how could I get away from my my wrongdoings? How could I get away from a record of sins but by you blotting them out? So Jesus, I pray for anyone here that you would call them to yourself, that they would confess their sin, and that you would in turn, as your word says, be faithful and just, forgive them of their sin, and cleanse them from all unrighteousness. And all of us together in need as sinners say, Lord, we love you. We, we, we rejoice in what you've done for us. And even this very moment, we take three steps and stop and just say, Lord, have our lives. Have our lives, Lord. Forgive us of our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness that we might live for you and rejoice in you and celebrate along the way how you have freely welcomed us in your presence and forgiven us. We love you, Lord Jesus.